previously on Little Believe It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK, in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. Hello, everybody. Here I am, ready to ruin everything. My name's not Adam, but I'm going to do it anyway. That is the spirit. And today we have a very, 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 very special episode, don't we? This one is going to blow your fragile little minds. That's right. It is a double episode. We are going to cover episodes 23 and 24 together. It's the two halves of the recoupling post Casa. We are going to do all of the show stuff first and save our deep dive for the end. Yeah, we've got a really, really cool segment, a really great guest, Parker James from the Modern Proposal podcast and we recommend all of you guys go check it out it is available anywhere you get your podcasts wherever you get little bit leave it you can get a modern proposal it is a very interesting podcast inspired by the famous jonathan swift essay a modest proposal so parker's thing is dark very very dark and you know we tend to skew dark humor as well So there's a lot of themes in our deep dive with him that may be uncomfortable for people. So we talk about mental illness in not always a kind way, even though it's joke and satire. I don't want to upset anybody. So that's why we're pushing it to the end. If you're feeling a little fragile today, you know, you can turn it off after we rank the couples and come back another day. Yeah, but basically Parker is providing a solution A not good solution, an intentionally bad and darkly funny solution to some of the problems of reality TV. And we don't shy away from those problems on the show, as you guys know. Although I do give him a hard time for his solution because at first it's awful. So that's happening. We're going to take a little break next week. Next week, we're going to release the whole Parker interview. This episode, we're just going to include the stuff that's really focused on Love Island, but we do get into a lot of digressions. Yeah, it was a good interview, and we're going to release the whole thing next week. And then we'll pick back up in two weeks with episode 25. Yeah, but there will be lots and lots to digest next week as well. So let's get into these two episodes. They are two halves of really a two-part episode, I think it's fair to say. Episodes 23 and 24 in season six, and we open with Hall and Oates singing, you make my dreams come true, but some dreams will not come true on this unfortunate evening. It's the recoupling, but before we get to that, we spend some time at Casa, and we open with a conference of Luke's. Yes, poor Luke M has been completely bewitched by the bewitching Natalia. I don't really know what else to say there. They're oogling her. Luke M is head over heels. And Luke T urges his buddy to go and plant one on her. So Luke M pulls Natalia and tries to see how receptive she is to the idea of a kiss. Well, long story short, she is not. No. The kiss that he planted on her during the game did not go as she had hoped. He came with too much tongue too soon, which to be fair, I agree with Natalia. Not so much about his kiss, but too much tongue too soon is bad. Okay. Yeah. I also just thought this conversation is pretty awkward. 
first she starts off by teasing him about the kiss and it was a little playful, but then it started to get into, well, she's not actually teasing, is she? And then when he says, oh, I think family is really important. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, family. Yeah. Well, he also says he's family untoriated and she didn't even make fun of him for that. Like, I feel like a gentle roasting would have been appropriate and either she's not quick enough or not interesting enough to do that. And then he says something along the lines of, you know, I think I'm starting to like you. And she says, oh, wait, don't go too fast now. It was a tough conversation. I felt like Luke is not reading some very, very obvious signs here. Exactly. And to be fair, we have all been willfully blind, I think. We have all so badly wanted for someone to like us back that we have purposely and willfully... Yeah, ignored those signs. Yeah, yes. I think that's that's what's going on. I mean, he wants someone to bring back to the villa. Personally, I think he should have gone the Jamie route, but he's going the Natalia route. And it kind of is what it is, as they like to say. So I think he goes back to Luke T and he says that he didn't kiss her, that he bottled it. We'll talk about that in a minute in culture. Sh- well, not in a minute. We'll talk about that in culture shock. But I just wanted to mention a couple other things. She goes into the beach hut. You know, it's interspliced with this conversation between her and Luke M., And she says, he makes me feel funny when I'm not that funny. She's totally using him. She likes him for what he does for her. And it reminded me of the way that Leanne spoke about Mike. That's really interesting. I had not noticed that. But now that you're pointing it out, I think you're right. I know I'm right. And then I just want to also mention that later in the show, it's just thematically appropriate here. Priscilla says that she likes Luke M. And Natalia changes the subject to Callum and Molly. That's funny. Yes. So Natalia, very, very clearly not that into him. Luke M, completely oblivious. Poor Luke M. Now, another person who is not really into Luke M, but did couple up with him anyway, Jess. She's back at the villa. She's making some moves, too. Yeah. So she's talking to Ched. She likes his forwardness and confidence. And I have to say, I do, too. Between the grilling he got the other night... And what he says here, he wants a partnership and to build a good life. And then he talks about her ass too, but in a much better way than Biggs. She goes fishing for compliments. She asks how the pants look. And he tells her, you wore it. You know it looks good. Bravo, Ched. Yeah, I am becoming a bigger Ched fan on this rewatch. I'm enjoying all the Ched scenes. We are Ched heads. Is that what they call themselves, the Ched fans? Well, it's you and me and Logan, so yes. I'm sure he has other fans out there. Though the center of the action really is at Casa right now, because that's where a lot of the guys are making these decisions on whether they're going to stick or twist. We now go to Finn, Luke T, and Luke M, and they are talking about Mike. Yeah, they're laughing at Mike because he falls so fast. And despite him insisting that he doesn't, you and I and the boys all know And there's a funny little bit of dialogue. Luke T says he wears his heart on his sleeve. And Luke M says his sleeve is massive. Nice bit of humor from Luke M. Usually it's Luke T being the funny one. I wanted to pause there for a moment because I did notice that Luke T says one thing when he's with the guys and saying, oh, yeah, Mike's feelings do seem to be genuine. But then when he's in the beach hut, given his real opinion, he is a little suspicious of Mike. Yes, You know, you don't want to rock the boat with your friends. So I get it. 
And then Finn and Luke T have a moment where they acknowledge that if their ladies are still single when they get back, it's going to be no breaks, one way ticket to love paradise. And now it is time to get ready for the ultimate Love Island recoupling. Shawnice and Rebecca? No, I'm just talking about everybody's going to dressing rooms. Oh, yes. Everybody's in the dressing rooms. And of course, Rebecca can't go into the dressing room without saying something bonehead. She is talking about how, you know, she's finally getting some action with Jordan. And she whines that all these girls have been getting cuddles the whole time. First of all, Rebecca has not exactly been lonely. Right. Rebecca is not leading the Lonely Hearts Club of Love Island season six. No. And they may have mended the relationship, but Shawnee's tells her, at least your man is here. And she just shuts that shit right down. And another quick flash forward. At Casa, later in the episode, Luke M and Luke T are talking about how they think Natalia and Shawnice will get along. Really? I know it's wishful thinking because they're best bros and they want their girls to be besties. But Shawnice sees right through people. She does not take any shit. And I am looking forward to seeing Shawnice's reaction to Natalia once all the drama kind of settles down. Yeah, I think the Lukes are wrong. Well, nobody's going to like Natalia except her Casa friends. That's what I think, too. So back at Casa, the boys are doing a dumb dance in the dressing room. And Mike says he got a whole new girl today. And I'm only bringing that up because of what Luke T was saying. Mike's got yet another girl. I mean, it's Priscilla, just in blonde, short hair. But it's just kind of funny. There's a joke in there. I'm not smart enough to make it. If you think of one, Twitter at us. Yes, please do it. So everyone goes to sleep. All these nice couples sleeping together. But then we've got Natalia staring at the ceiling, eyes open, ignoring Luke, who is maybe making some bid for her attention, but he's rejected. Good morning, Love Island. We've got a text. We've got a text. It is time for the recoupling. Time to make their decisions whether they are going to stick or twist. We've got the boys being reminded to hashtag trust in your sauce and the girls being reminded to hashtag go with your gut. All of the original Islanders or the pre-Casa Islanders have to make this decision and we get a lot of quick cuts between a lot of different conversations happening that morning and then we get right to the recoupling. The girls have to choose first and then it is revealed whether the guy they were previously coupled up with decided to stick with them or twist, I don't know, twist in the wind, twist away from them. I'm not sure where that expression really comes from. Yeah, I would think twist away from them. I guess we could have looked it up, but yeah, yeah, whatever. First, we got two people who were single going into Casa Amor. The first is Rebecca and she couples up with Jordan. Laura tells her that she can choose to stay single and she says, I don't want to do that, which was funny for some reason. And Shauna looks fake happy for her. Then we see Mike return. Now, there is a little bit of complication here, because even though Mike was technically single, we all know he had been laying it on pretty thick with Jess before Casa. Yep. He comes in with Priscilla. Everyone looks shocked except for Rebecca. And she's like, we knew he was going to do that. Yeah. And Jess looks okay with it until Mike tells everybody that Priscilla is wifey material, which is a pretty low blow to Jess. Maybe. But I'm not sure if he meant it like, oh, she's not fit to be anybody's wife. I interpreted it more like 
Jess was not as suited to be his wife as Priscilla, but that's certainly not how Jess took it. It's now Jess's turn to pick, and I actually was not sure who she was going to pick, although I've seen it before, so I knew who she was going to pick. But had I not seen it before, I think Jess could have gone either way. Ched was definitely the right choice. She would walk all over Biggs and end up friend zoning him. So in her speech for Ched, she also digs at Mike. She says, this boy has been into one girl and one girl only. Her whole speech is a dig at Mike. Yeah, she really disses him explicitly, whereas Mike's was a little bit more implicit. But, you know, I'm not very surprised by this. Luke M is so into Natalia. In his speech, he claims that she has a gorgeous personality. Yuck. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. She does not look thrilled. Maybe she's just been getting a bad edit, but to me, she does not seem to have a very appealing personality. I mean, she's okay. She always looks like someone farted and she's just getting a whiff of it. A whiff of it. Now we've got our first fantastic reunion. Shawnice, of course, decides to stick with Luke T and we see Luke T come in by himself. There is not a dry eye in the house. Luke M looks so happy for his boy that Shawnice is still into it and that nothing has changed. Luke M is happy before Luke T is even excited. It's a very, very sweet reunion. Shawnice is distracted by her makeup, which on the surface is really obnoxious. But, you know, looking a little bit deeper as somebody who doesn't like public emotions... It's much easier to focus on that and much less embarrassing than focusing on your feelings. Yeah. So I feel Shawnee's and I love the way Luke T kept kissing her shoulder. He looks so much happier even than she does. And that's not a knock on her. Like, I think she's just going to process more privately. You know, Shawnee's is one of the people on the show who after the show has become less comfortable with fame. So it does make some sense to me that she is less comfortable with displaying her emotions so honestly on national TV. That's a really hard thing for anybody to do. So then. Uh-oh. We've got Nos. He walks in with Eva on his arm and an oh shit look on his face. Yeah, because Demi has just said she is sticking with this guy that she really likes. She knows it's a risk, but she really likes him. The Luke's faces very clearly mirror what is going on. It must be really hard for the boys, like knowing what's going to happen and not being able to say anything and trying to keep their face together. And speaking of keeping their face together, when Demi sees Nas and Eva walk in, Shauna reminds Demi, hold it together. Don't let them see you cry. And I thought that was really supportive because that's what Demi needed at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I know all everybody who was coming over from Casa, their body language was really shifting and they were uncomfortable before Nas walked out and then obviously we saw the body language after Nas walked out I will just say this is that I think Nas did the right thing a girl who laughs at all your jokes is really great but a girl who can joke along with you and take your jokes and make them better that is more special oh thank you Oh, was that? I didn't mean that in reference to our marriage. Motherfucker, I know you sleep. So his speech is really sweet. And I really appreciated that Eva acknowledged Demi's feelings and promised her a girl to girl chat later. That felt very genuine. And then my favorite couple, my favorite couple that's not Shawnee's and Luke T. Paige says she is sticking with Finn and Finn has stuck with her, as we all know. He sees her single and says, thank fuck for that. 
And then one of my favorite lines, they're talking about how Finn slept on the daybed and Laura says, maybe tonight you'll get some proper sleep. And Finn pauses for a beat and goes, maybe. And I just love that so much, you know, implying some bits will be done. And I'm sure bits were did. Yeah, that was a nice reunion. Very different from Shawnee's and Luke T. Not quite as sentimental, but really, really fun. And they're clearly very happy to be back together. I appreciated that Laura didn't hold the couples apart for too long. I feel like that was a problem in earlier seasons. Caroline just kept talking and talking and talking and asking questions. And all these people wanted was to run to their SO. So kudos to Laura for that one. I thought the Shonice and Luke T and the Paige and Finn reunions lacked a little bit of passion. And I wonder if that was from the show constraints or nerves, or maybe I'm just thinking too much and wanting too much. I don't know. I think that the contestants are aware that they're being filmed, and especially in these really highly produced moments like the recouplings where they're all dressed up. There are lots of cameras on them. Laura's there. I think it makes sense that they'd be a bit nervous. And then we get to the main event of this recoupling. That's right. The headliner. It's Shauna who sticks with Callum. And then we see it happen. Callum walks in. The Lukes look sick. Mike's face is like, here we go. Yeah, I wanted to note that before Callum and Molly even walk out, we've got the Lukes, we've got Nas, all just look so pained. But then I noticed that I think some of the people who were at the villa, you know, the original girls and the Casa guys, they started to notice what the guys and girls from Casa were doing, that they looked really uncomfortable, and everybody knew what was going to happen except Shauna. One person I noticed did not share the same sentiment. When Callum walks out with Molly, Demi looks relieved. And I think it's because she's not the only one who got publicly awfully dumped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should note, there was one person out of the entire group, in addition to Shauna, who seemed genuinely surprised when it happened, and that was Jordan. Was he just, like, not paying attention to everybody else? Probably. Yeah, probably. Because Rebecca seems to be on the pulse. Rebecca seemed to know what was going on. She was the only one who spoke up when Mike got back. Yep. We all knew. We all knew. And then episode 23 ends before Callum, Molly, and Shauna have any chance to say anything. We've got that big moment of drama at the end of the episode, and we are immediately put back in that moment at the beginning of episode 24. Before we get into the second half of our recap, we thought we would remind you that Little Bit Leave It is an independent, listener-supported podcast, and you can support us by going to patreon.com slash littlebitleaveit, and for as little as $2 per month, you can get bonus content with every single episode. As well as bonus episodes in and of themselves. And I will say, those after shows, Spoils of Love, are of extremely varying quality. You never know what you're going to get. You might get sea salt caramel. You might get circus peanut. You never know. We have made a real effort, I'd say, over the last you know six or seven to really beef them up and talk about some really interesting stuff. So you can get all of that for $2 a month. For $5 a month, you can join our private Discord, hang out with us, and then get our bonus special episodes, which you may have heard previews of some of those in our regular podcast feed. 
Now let's get back to season six, episode 24 of Love Island UK. Did they think we were going to switch shows? Did they think we were going to talk about season two with the circle? I don't know. Are we talking about The Wire? Like, actually, we do talk about all these other shows. So maybe it's good that you reassured them because if they're listening to our show, they might not be that smart. I'm oh, kidding. hey, I'm no, kidding, all of our listeners are actually super smart because why else would they be listening to this podcast as opposed to one that all they do is recap? I mean, they want to hear the stimulating deep dives into the Jacobites and Celtic mythology. That's true. OK, so so Callum and Molly are back. Molly's got a face like a mean girl in high school, even though, you know, she didn't really do anything wrong. And I have no beef with her this time around. Poor Shauna watches everything crash down around her. She tries to make light of it. Never trust a scaffolder. Then she pulls out her epic line. It's been memed. It's probably been gift. And right before it, she actually, she almost convinced me that she was going to be totally mature and not bitter about this entire thing. Because she is. She's really good about it until. Congrats, hun. Oh, and the look on her face. I wish I could put the look on her face into words, but ooh, you just have to watch it. I mean, you have watched it. Why are you listening if you haven't watched it? Go watch it. There are a lot of people on the internet now that it has been revealed that Shauna went into the villa with a plan that she had a boyfriend, that she was really there to win the money. There has been some speculation that the congrats hun line was premeditated that she had thought what she would say if Callum did come back with a different girl. Do you think that she might have had a good zinger ready that she wanted to be memeable? Or do you think that it was, in fact, spur of the moment? Frankly, if she was going to premeditate something, I would think she could do a little better than that. Yeah, I agree. Congrats, hun, is great for an off-the-cuff line when your heart is shattering. But if she was sitting around planning something, she could have done better. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and assume it just came off the cuff. It does remind me that I do want to do a deep dive into hun culture at some point. Like Attila the Hun or like MLM Huns? I guess they'd be MLN Huns, but there's a whole... MLM Huns? There's a whole subculture of people who have embraced the Hun label, and it's kind of like being a basic bitch, but not really. I think it's an MLM thing. Well, in the UK, there is this whole Hun subculture. Okay, I would love to hear more about that then. So... Molly tries to apologize in her little speech, but Shauna can't hear it. Shauna is using all her emotional resources to hold it together or using her fake emotional resources to fake hold it together, depending on how cynically you want to look at it. Laura says the same thing to her that she says to Demi, but it comes out so much more brutal. You are now single. Take a seat. Yeah. Laura does seem very, very sharp edged, I guess is how I would describe it in this whole recoupling. She didn't seem as empathetic or sympathetic as Caroline did, say, in in previous seasons. Agreed. And, of course, our darling Luke T is sitting next to Shauna, and he offers her a cuddle. She accepts. And, first of all, it's nice that he offered, because some people, when they're in that state, they might not want to be touched for fear of completely losing it. So it was really sweet that he offered. She took him up on it. He gave her a hug. And now the recoupling is over. And we say goodbye. To six Islanders. Yep. The people whose names we never remember leave. Yep. That's in case you're following along at home. Josh, Alexi, Biggs, and George. 
and then Jade and Jamie. Yeah, I would say the only one of those who really made an impression was Biggs. I agree. And then everybody's milling about and Paige pulls a baller ass Ovi move and plucks Shauna out of the fray and takes her into the house so that Shauna can have her feelings in private. She does aptly summarize the situation, and I guess it's happened to her before, that she'll be with a boy, she'll put up with all of his shit, and then he'll dump her for someone else and be a really good boyfriend. Yeah, I think that there is an element of Shauna really teaching Callum how to be more mature and more vulnerable. Yeah, we talked about that a lot last episode. And I think we see it actually in this conversation that follows when Callum tries to have a talk with her. And Shauna says it herself. She goes for boys. She's 25 and had a career, a serious career, and she needs a man. I could see Shauna with a guy in like in his early 30s. Because she's a grown-ass woman. Or a guy her age who's also on the same track as her. Yeah, I agree. Callum is just not mature enough in a lot of ways for her. I felt that from the beginning. And as we've talked about, Callum does really learn how to be in a relationship in some ways through this first few weeks with Shauna. And she does force him to communicate more. And he talks more and more about his feelings and opens up more over the the first few weeks with her. And we see that, I think, in the conversation that he tries to have with her. He is having a hard time explaining himself to her. Well, Callum is not one for timing, right? Yeah. With the whole Eve thing, he screwed up by not talking to Shauna soon enough. And I guess he learned from that. But now with the Molly situation, he tries to talk to Shauna way too soon. Callum, sweetie, honey, baby, there is time between too soon and too late. And you're just going to have to figure that out. Yeah, I think that he shouldn't have forced her to talk. I think he should have said to her something along the lines of, I know that my decision really hurt you. I'm really sorry to have hurt you. If you want to talk about it or whenever you want to talk about it, if you want to talk about it, I'm happy to to talk more with you. Agreed. Instead, she calls him out and tells him that he'd been faking it since long before Casa and he had ample time to say something. And there's a lot of truth in that. I don't know. I think that Callum was genuinely trying to have feelings for her, right? I think that Callum is so inexperienced that he didn't know that he liked Shauna, but maybe he didn't like her all that much. And I see a lot of projection here because Shauna accusing Callum of never really liking her. I just don't buy that. I don't think Callum has been very deceptive at all. I think he's been one of the most honest Islanders throughout the entire season. Like him or don't like him. I mean, we've talked about it before. Does he quite even have the intellect or the cleverness to really pull off something like this? Whereas we know now that that's exactly what Shauna was doing. So maybe it wasn't so much deceptive on purpose as she realized that he did not like her that much before he did. Yeah. I think that's a more fair assessment. I, I think that can be fair. But just like we talked about in our original bonus special episode where we were talking about Love Island through the lens of professional wrestling, I think that Callum was kind of caught up in the Love Island environment. I don't think he was ever intentionally setting out to 
deceive Shauna. No, I agree with that. So after this Shauna and Callum conversation, everybody's having their own little conversations about the fallout and the drama. Callum and Molly have a cute conversation where they're so into each other. They're blushing and they're giggling and they're giving each other moony eyes. You know what? I feel echoes of Tommy and Molly May. Maybe that's partially because her name is Molly and she doesn't look that different from Molly May. And Callum's a little dumb and nice. And Callum and Tommy have similar features, too. Yeah, right. There are echoes. Also, the personalities, too, right? Sure. Jess and Mike reconcile. And she explains that she felt he was untrustworthy because they didn't have time to build the trust. And credit where credit is due on this reconciliation. 100% to Mike. Jess goes into this looking to start a fight and keeps trying to escalate things. And Mike uses those police tactics to really defuse the situation. Oh, so I guess in other places, police do know how to do that. In other places, police do know how to defuse situations. Yes. Nas and Demi have a nice chat. Demi keeps it together, but she's very upfront and open about her sadness. And Nas takes it like a champ. Demi and Eva have a nice conversation. Again, Demi's very upfront that she's sad, she's gutted, but she also reassures Eva, I'm a big girl, I've got this, and she doesn't make Eva feel shitty or put any of the burden of her feelings onto Eva. It's not Eva's fault. Eva says that she wishes Demi wasn't so nice, and I think Demi even says she wishes Eva wasn't so nice, right? Right. Nas and Shawnice have a nice chat, and that's really a friendship that's blossomed over time. And I love that the two of them were able to put those first two weeks aside. Shawnice is lucky that Nas forgave her, and Shawnice is also lucky that she has a friend in Nas. Yes. Thankfully, the producers give us a little break from all these quick-cut, one-on-one conversations and they organize all the OG girls, the Precasa girls into a conversation to sort of comfort Shauna, I guess, is the purpose of the conversation. Shauna wants to leave. She feels that there's no purpose there for her. She doesn't want to watch Callum and Molly, which is fair enough. And Rebecca reminds her Shauna wouldn't let somebody else leave. Shauna would not let somebody else slink out of the villa with their head down, feeling ashamed. Kudos to Rebecca for trying to pump Shauna back up. Mike comes over to confront Shauna and Finn and Luke T follow. It's funny. I think you had a little bit of a Freudian slip there because Mike came over there to comfort her, but he does end up confronting her a little bit. Finn gently and kindly stands up for Callum. I think Finn did a good job of saying like, look, Callum didn't go there to hurt you, but Callum did find something special. And then Mike's like, yeah, Callum's finally happy. Callum got there and he was like, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. And Shauna even says, I'm glad he's got his mojo back. That was really hurtful. What is Mike going to do then? Go talk to Demi and be like, BT dubs, you're fine, but he likes Eva a lot better. So Mike should keep his mouth shut. Shauna learns a valuable life lesson. Don't ignore your gut. Yep. Folks are now getting ready for bed and Shauna needs to regroup with Paige after that conversation. Again, we see a little bit more projection from Shauna when she says, oh, Callum thought I was his meal ticket to the final, which given what we know now, I think it was the opposite. Well, Paige has got better things to do. Paige calls over her man. Come to me, daddy. They have a proper soppy conversation. There's lots of hugs, lots of laughing. There's another kiss me, big boy, and some snogs. And all is well in the kingdom. We see our other favorite couple, Shawnice and Luke T. Good on Shawnice for not giving Luke T shit about sharing a bed. Yeah, no, she she handled that well. You can see the thought cross her face. 
but she decides that she's going to swallow it and move on. And Luke T is a little bit upset. Well, not even upset. Luke T tells her, you only kiss me properly when your makeup's off. Kind of hearkening back to what happened earlier in the night. And Shawnice is really vain. But she also doesn't wear that much makeup during the day. Most days at the pool, she's barefaced. And she says it's because it gets all over his face. And he cheese smiles when she wipes it off. So, you know, they are who they are. And they're in love. Blah, blah, blah. And then, two hilarious conversations in a row. We got Nas and Eva having a little chat about Demi. You know, Nas gives them the official green light to go ahead. Eva goes in for a hug. Nas goes in for a kiss. And instead of just going with it, Eva says, are we kissing? (laughs) Which is so something I would do. That was funny. And uh, the kiss turns into a bit of a cheeky kiss, which then turns into a bit of a snog. Eva walks away and Jordan sees Nas sitting on the little snogging porch by himself. And Nas tells him, there was someone here. I'm not by myself. And Jordan says, I seen her with her red lipstick. And Nas admits that he cannot get up. Yeah, that was humorous. It is time to say night night to the Islanders. Time to say what? Good night. Yeah, that's better. This is okay. like when I, when I went to the dentist and told the hygienist about my chompers. Yes. Sometimes being a parent ruins the rest of your life. And we see Shauna by herself. And that, I think, is the most notable thing from that little sequence. Well, and Paige and Finn snuggling and Finn doesn't want to have to go home and not be with her every night. Oh, yeah. That was very sweet. Schmoopy. And now we say morningy morning. Morningy morning. Shauna wakes up before everybody. She goes off to sulk by herself. Aw, I said she went to grieve. Yeah, grieve. Okay. Give her a minute. Shawnee's comes out to console her. Lots of good friendships being shown in these couple of scenes from yeah. this episode. All is not as well as one might have assumed from the immediate aftermath, given what happens next this morning in a couple different dimensions, right? Like the fifth dimension and the sixth dimension? Time and space? No. Well, can we wait one second, though? Because John has a great quote. She's trying to cheer herself up. If Khloe Kardashian can get through 2019, I can get through this. Oh, and we should talk about what Chloe Kardashian went through, because I have no idea. We will. But yes, all is not right with everybody. Yeah. And we got the impression last night that maybe Demi was going to be able to move past this. She was going to you know, still feel her feelings, but she was going to accept it. Producers, of course, put Nas and Eva in bed right next to Demi. So Demi is a little upset this morning. Yeah, even though Jess told her not to, Demi confronts Nas because she's upset that he and Eva were kissing in the dark under the covers. Jess was right. Demi should have kept her mouth shut and been upset with her friends. But really, this is Love Island. It's a game. Get a grip. Yeah, they were trying to be respectful, but I don't know. Maybe they could have been a little bit more sensitive. He's been holding it in. He's been waiting. He officially, properly, politely dumped her and then waited. Like, come on. Come on, Demi, you got to just pull this one together and move on. Yep. Luke M has not yet kissed Natalia, much to his friend's surprise. And says he needs to pull her to talk about it. He also says that she's not the type to go straight on, but she went straight on to Finn hard. And then when she swerved to Luke M, she came on hard to him too. And that's why he liked her. And so all of a sudden she's not the type to come in hard. No, Luke, read the signs. Yeah. All this drama and we get one... Final text. Shauna and Molly 
are going on a girl date. So the last few seconds, we see them getting dressed. Molly puts on a cute little sundress and says that she feels like a little girl. And Shauna says that she feels like a bride left at the altar. So next episode, we will pick up with the girl date. One very quick note before we close out this recap. Right toward the end, Molly says, shit the bed, which apparently has a different meaning in the UK than it does here in the US. We'll talk about that when we get into culture shock. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Little Bit Leave It is brought to you by No Help. So as you know, we here at Little Bit Leave It take mental health very seriously, which is why we're reluctant to tell you about No Help, a new service connecting people in need of emotional support to armchair therapists, Monday morning quarterbacks, kibitzers, Karens, and many other people who will be no help at all and only want to tell you what you're doing wrong with your life. Office visits were a pain before COVID, and now that we are all melded to our couches, they're more inconvenient than ever. No Help offers three easy ways to contact your provider. Frozen video chat, Deep Woods phone call, and our insecure messaging system, Becky. She'll be sure to ask if you really wanted to send that message, if you're seeing any other online services, and whether she looks fat in this font. She may even go through your messages while she thinks you're asleep. No Help understands that times are hard and finances are challenging for many people. They accept all major insurance plans and they have a sliding scale for the uninsured, so you'll never have to worry about affording their services. They'll still bill you in full months down the road, but hey, what do you expect from a company whose billing department is two cats playing Fruit Ninja on a Kindle? So if you're struggling with the direction your life is taking and the near destruction of our society, don't suffer alone. Go to nohelp.biz today and let Pearl, Leonard, Karen A, Karen C, Norman, or one of their many other unqualified professionals help you get where they think you need to go. No help. Legally, they're not allowed to call it therapy. It's time for Culture Shock. What do you got on tap for us today, Beck? I've got two for us today. And I've got one for us today. All right, I guess I'm better than you. The first one is bottle it. After Luke M does not kiss Natalia, he goes back to Luke T and says that he bottled it. And so bottled it basically means chickened out. It means to face a hard task and not have the courage at the last moment. A likely source is the slang phrase, not much bottle or no bottle, meaning useless or no good for anything. This usage is recorded in a glossary of 19th century street English slang, the Swell's Night Guide from 1846. She thought it would be no bottle because her rival could go in a buster. Do not ask me what going a buster means. That's not what we're talking about. That source is phrases.org.uk. Well, that's interesting because that is not what I would have thought bottle it meant. I thought, you know, it's kind of like bottle it up, save it for later. And the other one was when Shauna says if Khloe Kardashian survived 2019, she can survive this. In February 2019, Khloe Kardashian and her boyfriend slash father of her daughter, True, Tristan Thompson split after it was revealed that Thompson had allegedly cheated on her with her younger half-sister Kylie's then-best friend Jordan Woods. All right, well, I didn't know any of that, and I can't say I care about any of that, but it's still good context. 
if somebody cheats on their partner with the partner's little sister's friend, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Then they quarantined together and they got back together. No. Well, all's well that ends well, I suppose. suppose. And that's what I've got. So mine is shit the bed, which for our American audiences may be hit a little strange when it came out of Molly's mouth. That's because it has a totally different meaning in the UK than it does in the United States. In the United States, if you shit the bed, it means you screwed up, usually in a very noticeable fashion, and it is usually a pretty big screw-up shitting the bed because you don't want to shit your bed. Yeah, what are we, toddlers? But in the UK, it's just something you say if you're surprised. Shit the bed! Really? Yeah. Oh, mom and dad are home early, and we are throwing our house party. Shit the bed! Huh. I didn't realize it had a whole separate meaning. I thought that maybe she meant that coming back with Callum was a mistake and she shit the bed. No, one would expect that it might just be her misusing the phrase, given that we do get a couple of classic Love Island malapropisms earlier in this episode. First, obviously, we hear Priscilla talk about somebody doing a complete 360. Oh, Priscilla. And I think it's also Priscilla who says about a couple that they look like a house on fire, which is not exactly how that phrase goes. That's not safe. If you look like a house on fire, you should probably call a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you get on like a house on fire, obviously, that's totally different. I mean, it still doesn't sound good, though. Yeah, but, you know, I guess it means things are going very hot. well, right? Very hot, very heavy. Things are progressing quickly. So it's hot house on fire. Are you ready for some fashion? Let's do it. I got Boku fashion for you today in the TNA report. The TNA report. Okay. Like I said, Boku fashion. Almost all of it is from episode 23 because there's so much continuity. Yeah. And there's really only one night in this entire two episodes. So there aren't that many outfits. You know, not twice as many outfits. Speak for yourself, dear one. The first night, which was kind of continuation of episode 22, you know, they do focus on different people. So Finn is wearing all black and he looks sexy. And Luke M has some paisley shirt on, a black and white paisley shirt that I did not like. Okay, then the morning, day of the recoupling, we've got Shawnice in a blue bikini and matching alien sunglasses. And those are those skinny ones that kind of look like the aliens from the 90s that were on all the shirts. Yep. So thumbs up for that. And of course, a thumbs up for Rebecca's sexy lime green bikini with the cutouts at the top. Oh, yeah, that was a really cool looking bikini. Yeah, that's not what you said when we were watching it, but we can give him the PG version. Thanks. All right, let's get into the recoupling. Yeah, that's where all my notes are. Okay, so we'll do all of our pluses first, and then we'll jump in with some minuses. Yeah, sure. Okay, so thumbs up. Paige wearing white like a bride, as promised. Also a cute dress. Positive. Lori's hair and makeup are fire, but the dress is meh. Positive. The new guys all in black and white. Very cool. I liked Jordan in particular. I thought his black shirt with that white floral pattern was the best of the bunch. I know you said we were going to save our negatives for the end, but if you're bringing up the Casa guys, Alexi's jacket looks like some kind of wallpaper pattern. Yeah, it's like a weird nautical thing. Or maybe it's he's wearing the jacket inside out because a lot of men's jackets do have quirky patterns on the inside. Yeah, it was ugly. I actually did write new guys in black and white except Alexi's ugly jacket. 
We had Natalia in that shirt dress, which had very sexy morning after vibes. Yeah, I liked that dress. And my last positive was Molly's bluish purplish two-piece dress. Yeah, I also liked Molly's purple dress. It was cool. It was cool. You hit all my positives. Should we get into some negatives? Yes, we should. We have to talk about that frock that Shawnice was wearing. Oh, Shawnice the Grouch. The color was beautiful, but that satin sack, that green satin sack, honey, baby, child. Sacks were the order of the night, though, apparently, for the OG girls. Yes, the neckline, the sleeves. Oh, horrible. It was a nice length, and like I said, the color was gorgeous, but oh. Yeah, it was terrible. 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 After seeing what Demi wore, I actually wondered, perhaps Nas didn't bring Eva to the villa at first, saw what Demi was wearing, and then went and grabbed her and said, you know, actually, I am going to recouple. Ooh, that's harsh. Yes, I called Demi's dress. It had farmer in the Dell hat vibes. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's like a black sack or something with some fringe on it. It is so ugly. Well, fringe is like the cowboy stuff that hangs down. This like poked up. So it might have been feathers, but it looked like one of those farmer hats, like where the straw pokes up around the brim. It was bad. It was so, so bad. And I felt so horrible that Demi had to be humiliated and wearing a terrible dress. Yeah, it was really, really ugly. And then my last negative for the recoupling was Jess in yet another cheap red dress. Yeah, maybe it's just because she's a twin and her parents have to split the budget they had originally set aside for their children in two. And so they can only get cheap dresses. I don't know, man, but I just feel like she's shopping at Contempo Casuals and that store hasn't existed in 20 years. So, or what, Wet Seal? Wet Seal? Yeah. Do you not remember Wet Seal? No, I don't remember Wet Seal. All these like cheap, fast fashion places. You know, Forever 21, right? Well, yeah, that one I do know. So Forever 21 is like Gucci compared to these places. Rainbow, you remember Rainbow? Yeah, I know Rainbow, yeah. Mandy. Yeah. So those were all kind of in the same wheelhouse. Okay. But like Forever 21, I would still walk into if I saw something cute. Forever 39, baby. And then one last one from episode 24, since it's all pretty much the same day. I did like Shauna's high leg bikini bottom. Good on Shauna. Yeah. At least she looked fierce while being upset. True dat. Okay. I think it's time to bring it on home. It is. Whoop, whoop. Let's do it. Let's rank the couple. So originally we made two separate rankings, one for 23 and one for 24, because we thought we were going to do them as separate episodes. But after realizing it made more sense just to knock it all out together, we went back and we kind of recombined the ratings. And so this ranking is for where it stands now after 23 and 24. Yeah, and definitely takes both episodes, I think, into account. Yes. And I think we should go top to bottom today. We should always go top to bottom. Yeah, okay. Except when we go bottom to top. Sure. One time we should start in the middle just to fuck with them. Okay. Okay. At number one, it is our possibly most solid couple. They're one of the two most solid for sure. And that is Paige and Finn. Yup, Pagey Baby and Finn. He hasn't actually called her Pagey Baby yet. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, look, it was a spoiler like earlier in the season, but we're halfway through. They're just like in love. You know, it's not a shock that they are happy together. Yeah, not at all. Nothing bananas happens. I'm sorry to ruin that for you. Coming in at number one, it's Paige and Finn. And number two... Nas and Eva. Yeah, they're coming out strong. They handled the upheaval like champs. They handled it like bosses. 
and they're really entertaining to watch. I would watch a, well, I don't know. I was going to say I would watch a show about Nas and Eva, but I probably would not. But I would watch more Nas and Eva on this show. Yes, definitely. At number three, it's our other super solid couple, Shawnice and Luke T. They both had good moments comforting Shauna. They just weren't in it as much, but there were no waves made. And And they had a great reunion. Yes, happy together. At number four, it's another couple, but not a traditional one. Little unorthodox for the show. We've got Paige and Shauna. The way Paige treated Shauna after her heartbreak, or you can do quote unquote heartbreak if you prefer. Like I said, big boss baller OV moves. A true friendship a true romance, if you will. At number five, it is Shauna's former better half or worse half, depending on how you look at it. Former flame. Former flame Callum with his new girl, Molly. Yeah, you know, right in the middle. Then we've got Rebecca and Jordan. She has really shot up the rankings since Jordan has come in and maybe softened her a bit. She's been a steady sixth place yeah. the last few days. Yeah. Middle of the pack. Went from the basement to solid middle since Casa started. Well, now that she's got a tongue in her mouth, she has less time to say stupid shit. Very true. Very somebody true. else's tongue in her mouth. She always had a tongue in her mouth, but now she's got somebody else's tongue in there too. Yeah, she's got two tongues in her mouth now. At number seven, by her lonesome, we knocked her down a couple spots from where we originally thought we'd put her. It's Demi. Yeah, we had her up pretty high for episode 23, but... Her confronting Nas in 24 was so unnecessary, so that kind of pushed her down to seven. Well, that did push her down to seven, not kind of. At number eight, we've got Mike and Priscilla. Not a knock on them. Well, not a knock on them as a couple. Mike did not need to make Shauna more upset. Mike did a good job with Jess. I don't know. They just weren't a huge puzzle piece. But yeah, I agree. No huge knock on them at all this episode. We're starting to see a lot more strong couples in this season where we really had not until this point. At number nine, Jess and Ched. Again, not a knock, just not a big piece of the episode. Not as developed as some of these other couples, but I think all these couples we're talking about, every single one of them, obviously except for Paige and Shauna, eight couples we've talked about, I think they're all legit contenders to make it to the final. Indeedly do. Indeedly do. At number 10, by himself, Luke M. Poor, deluded, blind Luke M. Poor, poor, poor Luke M, who just does not want to see the truth right in front of his gorgeous face. And you know what that means. At number 12. Did we just skip 11? Yeah. Yeah. Number 12. Natalia. Natalia. Who is the new villainess now that Rebecca has been neutralized. Yes. Natalia is not very nice. No, manipulative and conniving and cold. And so next time we are going to see just how cold she can be according to the preview for episode 25. Yeah, she's not feeling it. We're going to get back to that in two weeks. Yes, we'll get back to that in two weeks, our episode 25. Next week, we will be posting the full Parker James interview. But right now... You can enjoy an edited segment that is really limited to our discussion of this episode. So today we have a special treat. We are going to be doing a feature segment that is a little bit different from our usual. And we have a very special guest. Yes, the scholarship today will be less questionable than usual. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that. So today we've got Parker James. He is from the Modern Proposal podcast, and you guys should all go check it out. Say hello, Parker. Howdy, y'all. First of all, thanks for having me on. Thank you for uh, equating my podcast to some scholarship. I, I appreciate Yeah, no, that. his podcast, I highly recommend listening. Beck, you agree? Yes. Now I'm going to go listen to it. Okay, so I actually did listen to an episode and it is really interesting. I don't want to spoil it, but this is the segment we're doing. I I think it's fair to say it's almost like a preview or an analogous structure to your normal podcast, right, Parker? Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, it's kind of like a kind of like a little mini episode that uh that you know we're doing a little collaboration. And so on. your podcast is actually based on the famous historical essay, historical, I guess, at this point, a modest proposal. Can you tell us a little bit more about? that how you came up with the idea for the podcast yeah so a modest proposal was written by jonathan swift who also wrote gulliver's travels just for a little bit more reference it was written in the 1700s during the height of the irish potato famine and so that's a really bad time to be living through and so swift wrote this essay as a satirical way to make fun of the english government and the irish government for not providing food for mismanaging their lands and his proposal was that we can't sell any more kids off to get money for food. All these kids are becoming thieves. Let's just eat them. Like, let's just start eating babies. They have tons of nutrition on them. They have tons of fat on them. They can make really good leathers for hats and gloves and boots and whatnot. Uh, and then you stop the problem of thieves. And, you know, like, you don't have to eat all of them. You just eat, like, every, like, one in three. You know, because you got to have the next generation. And that's, I'm paraphrasing a lot here. But that's kind of the general gist of the essay. And uh, in a very weird turn of events, it actually came up to me on my Kindle as a recommended reading list. And so I got it for like a dollar and I reread it. I'm like, huh, what's the modern equivalent of this? And then I'm like, hmm, I thought that could make a really interesting podcast. Yeah. So basically your podcast takes some type of problem in society and gives us a satirical, horrible solution for it. Uh, I took that basic concept and I applied it to Love Island UK. I know you've watched some reality TV before, but not so much Love Island UK. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, I certainly watch a lot of TV, but I did watch Love Island UK. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's just what I noticed. Uh, it is like the boiled down essence of TV brain candy that we just like, we just love to watch, right? Because like it's hot young people in a far off exotic location getting a drink, party, and hook up to their heart's content. And it's, pretty easy to make, relatively cheap to produce, and it's so hard to look away from. And so if it's okay with you guys, uh, let's get into a little bit of the history and facts about Love Island that might, you know, maybe might change the scope of the show a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So as I'm sure your listeners and you know, the, the show first started in 2005 and was later rebooted a number of times. And so I'm getting these numbers and facts from a Guardian article by Mark Sweeney dated on September 29th, 2006, which I know sounds a little bit old, but it gets pretty dark, so that's why it's kind of hard to find more recent uh, info about this, and also because they're pretty hush-hush about it. And I'm also pulling from an article in Evening Standard by Prudence Ivy, dated March 10th, 2020. It was super, super hard to find, like, a super accurate number on, like, how much this show costs, but roughly speaking, it costs around 12 million pounds or just shy of $17 million to produce one season of Love Island. And the South African villa for the season that um, we're talking about right now costs 5.3 million pounds or $7.4 million just to build. That's not too shabby considering yeah. how it's big it is. It's a pretty nice house. I think they did have it built to suit for the TV production. Oh, yeah. And they built it in like six weeks, wow. too. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And for any super fans out there, at the low, low cost of 3,000 pounds or $4,200 a night, you can rent it. To get a bunch of friends. I think this is something. Yeah. Like that, 10 friends. I think this is something we might do. Yeah, because we all want to sleep side by side by side by side with all our best friends yeah. and, that, and that girl we hate. And now that a lot of our friends have small children, it'll be really fun to all be in one room. Well, it'll be like the baby episode. Well, no, 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 no. It's fine. All right. Like I saw the set. They have beds outside. That's where the kiddos can sleep. It'll be a nice night. All right. You just get him a mozzie net, pour in some citronelle. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Any babies who survive the wolves will be the ones who get to live on. Your baby can't fight off a wolf they don't deserve to grow up. We've gotten to the child sacrifice a little earlier than I was anticipating. (laughs) That was way faster than I was expecting. Jonathan Swift will be proud. And so now, obviously, this sounds rather expensive, but something I think is really important to point out is that the show made 77 million pounds or 108 million pounds in ad revenue alone. Wow. That's a lot. I found Love Island a little bit insane and super entertaining to watch. I got to admit it. But I would argue that Love Island and also reality TV in general has its roots in the Roman Empire, which on its face sounds like the ravings of a lunatic. But if you ever heard my show, maybe that's a fair comparison. The Colosseum, also known as the Flavian Amphitheater, was built in 70 to 72 CE and was opened in 80 to 82 CE under Roman Emperor Titus. He hosted 100 straight days of games alongside dramas, reenactments, and even some public executions. And in episode 24, the one that I watched for the show, the way that Callum dumped Shauna, that's a modern day public execution of the heart. All right. Like I, oh my, oh, oh my God. Brutal. There were two public executions during this. Unfortunately, one of them happened the episode before, but the Callum and Shauna one was just. That's the one that was the most devastating. And that's the one that people remember from this season. Yeah. He and Molly got publicly and cyber bullied. Because of it. Even though now oh, I'm a lot yeah. more sympathetic to them this go around. Oh, yeah. Isn't that super fun? And what's also super, super fun is the reason the Coliseum was built. Do you guys have any any guesses to why they did this? We knew this question was coming. I intentionally did not look it up because our listeners are used to us making fools of ourselves. Okay. I erased some of the worst ones. Like when we agreed that Marilyn was named after the wrong Queen Mary, I erased that one. <laughs> oh, now yeah. I guess I'm admitting to it. My guess would just be a sort of let them eat cake principle. Yeah, I was thinking that given the timing, I'm just vaguely remembering this from world history is that I think that the Roman Empire was already starting to decline a little bit by this point. But why don't you tell us? Yeah, so that's a great guess. So it does require a little bit of backstory first. So during the reign of everyone's favorite, can I curse on this? Yes. Okay, Please. cool. I just wanted to make sure. Cool. During the reign of everyone's favorite piece of shit, Nero, uh, and specifically during the year 66 CE, there was an uprising in between the Jewish population of what's now Israel and the occupying Roman armies. And so basically the Jewish population was pissed that the Romans were stealing all this shit and revolted. So in turn, the Roman governor of what's now Israel, Jesus Florus, responded by plundering the second temple and claiming all of Israel's money was for the emperor, and then the next day launched a raid into the city, arresting and murdering numerous senior Jewish figures. Yeah, we're kind of used to that shit, aren't we? Yeah, it's just like over and over again. Another day in Jew life. Yeah, like they were burning down the Romans equivalent of like a Roman police station. And so they just stole all their money. (laughs) And so naturally that escalated into a full on war uh, that lasted around about eight to 10 years. And it basically bankrupted the Roman Empire. 
So the Flavian family who took over right after Nero built the Colosseum because Rome was rioting and burning everything down. They built it because the Roman Empire was super corrupt and just there was just so much money mismanagement, land mismanagement, human mismanagement by like conscripting kids to go fight in Israel and then just go get killed. And so everyone's rather, rather pissed. So they're they're trying to burn down Rome. So that's why they built the Colosseum. Israel still does that. Yeah. So now if you fast forward to the modern day and the addition of the plague, reality TV viewership, one could say is buzzing. Please do pass my poor use of uh, the British vernacular. Yeah, yeah. The viewers are buzzing. The viewership, <laughs> I don't think can be buzzing, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, not unless they're bees, but- The know. Jews got pied once again. <laughs> yeah. I should know more of this. I dated a British girl for like six months. Uh, anyway- <laughs> That's why I'm equating the Roman Colosseum to reality TV because it's really good at distracting people. Like really, really good at just, it's like you have this plague going on. Yes, in the US, like if you lost your job, you're not getting unemployment benefits, you're about to get evicted, you're about to have all of these really awful things happen to you. And so you could go riot, you could go try to ask for your rights back or you could make it easy and then just, oh, there's hot people on a, on this beautiful island. I can project onto that and, you know, like I can just watch this and not have my, not have to think about these things. It's almost inevitable in our society that um, cultural products do ev- ultimately become received as bread and circus. Yep. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is a bit of mindless brain candy, but Parker, do you think we should ever, ever feel bad for any of these people? I think a little bit, yes, because we spoke a little bit about this off mic, but reality TV in general really kind of exploits people. Okay, I'm speaking from a leftist point of view. I've been tear gassed by police enough times to know that I do not like capital. And I really don't want to poo-poo this show at all. Like, it's entertainment. It's fun to watch. And if it brings people together, you know, more power to you. I'm getting all this data from a Heat World article by Georgina Terry and Polly Foreman dated on September 29th, 2019. Heat World is like UK people. So... The contestants of Love Island get paid around 250 pounds a week or around $345 per week. And they're only on it for eight weeks. So they're making about 2000 pounds or about $2,600, which really bothers me because they make the, like, they don't make the show, but if they didn't have them, they wouldn't have a show. They would have a script and they would have a structure. And so if this show is making, as we spoke before, $108 million in two months, why can't you pay them more than two grand, like 2000 pounds, you know? We should take a look at and make sure these numbers are right. But I, I mean, I think your general point still yeah. stands that the labor is not capturing its fair share of the value that's being created here. Yeah. But I, I think I read thousand pounds a week is or a thousand pounds might be a minimum payment that they get so if they're only on for Four weeks a week or two they still get a thousand yeah. but i think that some of the contestants do a little bit better than this. oh they might yes they absolutely do with past winners of alex bowman and olivia buckland now being worth 4.4 million pounds or six million dollars but, yeah. but that's a thing. If though. you get extra shows, if you're compelling enough or pretty enough or both, you get more shows. But like that's my point though, right? Because it's like it's some of these guys are doing it, but then on the flip side, you you can end relationships in your personal life, you can trash your reputation if you were like asked to play the villain or play the fool or play, you know, this character, and now you did it. And now people can see that all the time. And it's like, how are you supposed to move forward of that? 
for a thousand pounds, just, you know, for example. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, they're just using your beautifulness and the fact that you've probably consumed more uh, C4 pre-workout and weights that you could probably run a truck off of it to be this, you know, cut bulking beefcake of a man and, you know, vice versa for girls. How do you, I just, it's what you're saying. It's like the labor doesn't match how much profit that they're making off of this. So it's like they're making hundreds of millions of dollars off the show and they can only toss you a couple grand, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, they definitely take advantage of the idea that in previous seasons, some contestants have gone on to make a lot of money and become stars. Most of the people who get onto Love Island do not make millions of dollars and become stars, but some of them do. And I think increasingly... Right back as the seasons have gone on, you see a higher proportion of the contestants do seem to be there for celebrity reasons, not as much for love reasons. Would you agree? I'm an optimist and I like to see the best in people. And we weren't really part of the UK celebrity following, you know, fandom right. before we started this. I think now we know a lot more than we Unfortunately. did. Unfortunately. <laughs> we came in blind and I think we've stayed relatively blind yeah. on purpose, as blind as we possibly could. Yeah. We have an Instagram account that literally only follows Love Island stars. And I threw a few people from the circle in there too. Uh, would you say that... Your love is blind. Um, <laughs> our love of the show is blind, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Our love of the show is blind. We love it despite the problems. Yeah. In some regards, I think we love it for the problems because it allows us to talk about the problem. Yeah. And now, like, obviously, a lot of this does relate to mental health. So everyone should go back and listen to your guys' mental health episode because it is very important and we don't really have enough time to, like, really get through it. But what I noticed was that... They come out in swimsuits, right? So they can show off their bodies. When they couple up, what they're basing it on is is your body, how you look. You should like what your partner looks like. I think that's important. But it's not the only thing. And that's what I think they're really trying to showcase here is that it's like, you need to look perfect. Otherwise, I don't want to be a couple with you. And the other thing I noticed too was that if you're a woman, the man needs to be this big, strong man and you shouldn't have to like, they should just take care of you. This is um, a rather depressing quote from a Guardian UK article from Matha Busby dated on the 2nd of June, 2019. Quote, almost one in four people, 24%, aged 18 to 24, says reality TV makes them worry about their body image, according to YouGov survey of 4,505 UK adults released by the foundation. More than one in seven, 15%, said they had self-harmed or deliberately hurt themselves because of the concerns about their body image. And 23% have experienced suicidal thoughts because of concerns in relation to their body image, end quote. So it's like, you show all these beautiful, inhumanly perfect people... And like, as I was saying before, the first thing they do is couple up after saying, hello, here's my name and here's what I look like, right? If you're pumping out that message, especially to younger people, that you need to look perfect to find love. You need to be this perfect person for people to notice you. It's not great. It's not a great message to tell children. No, it's not a great look. And they often have a token, not perfect person who may or may not find love. But again, like that's a token and that's not really representation. They should do like a regular ass people season. I don't know if people would tune in. No, nah, they 
So Parker, tell us, how can we fix Love Island? We've been building and building and building to this big reveal. We have no idea what's about to come out of his mouth. So don't yeah. at us, at yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lay it on us. What's your, your solution? Alrighty, here? so my solution is two-pronged, all right? It's to protect the viewers and the contestants, all right? And so now, again, we didn't really touch on it too much because it's way too complicated for our time here today. But it really affects people's mental health, both on viewership and on the contestants, as we found, and again, you really go back and listen to their episode about it, definitely talk about Carolyn Black and their episode. We can't talk about it today because it's just way too much information to get through. However, first part would be to protect the viewers. I would argue that Love Island can, can be dangerous to a viewer's mental state and body image. And so this is going to seem way off topic, but just bear with me here. Driving a car in the U.S. is super dangerous as well. 36,096 people died in motor vehicle crashes in 2019, according to the Department of Transportation. So for the viewers, they would need to get a license before they can watch Love Island. The reason I'm saying okay. this is that we really need to ensure that people know that this show is just entertainment. It's not real. It's a load of fun. But you need to know that, right? Because it's like... Driving a car is super duper fun, but it's dangerous. You can kill people and you can kill yourself. I'm not saying that Love Island is that extreme, but I am saying that it can definitely mess with you. And so therefore you need to do a practical test. You need to do a written test. You need to make sure that everyone really knows that this show is entertainment and nothing more. The easiest way to enforce this would be to put a national child locker on all forms of work where you can find Love Island. And it's really easy to get through it. You just simply enter in your license number. Boom, you can watch it. That's going to protect the viewers. However, for the contestants, this is where it takes a little bit of a turn here. And again, if you've heard my show before, you know it's going to be rather out there. Instead of having these beautiful, gorgeous, chiseled people from normal life, we're just going to get beautiful, chiseled, gorgeous people from insane asylums. Uh, well, hold on. Yeah? Explain to me why that's a solution. Well, it's a solution because if they're already crazy, we're not going to make them crazy. The problem solved because like, that's what we're talking about. And also think about the amount of money you're going to save on production costs, right? You don't got to teach them to act any certain ways. Okay. I mean, you will need to be kind of careful with like weapons and whatnot, but like that's a problem down the line, or maybe it wouldn't be. That could be also super entertaining to watch. Whoa, 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 whoa. So hold on. You're proposing that the production team and the casting team of Love Island scout the insane asylums yes. for beautiful people who are already so far gone that any cyberbullying that they are subject to following the show. I mean, frankly, we don't even know if these people have social media since they're in an insane yeah. asylum. So that might solve that problem yeah. too. Just a little counterpoint here. Might that be, I don't know. Cruel? Yeah, maybe a little more exploitative. Perhaps. However, they're making boatloads of cash on this, right? And they've had some problems in their past with the reputation of being like exploitative, of like messing with people's mental health, of not doing these proper things. So what better way than to put these crazy people on their show? They're not going to make them crazy because like, ah, oh, we're not doing anything. They're already crazy. Two, they can actually get some mental health up in here, right? So like, they don't need to do these check-ins. They can just raise money and awareness for mental health, and they can really help their brand image that Love Island is not only helping people who have never found love before find love and also get the crucial mental health they probably desperately need. And then they're not going to make them crazy anymore. And think about the viewership, man. I don't think you're really focusing on this. Think about the viewers. They're going to have millions of people. So basically the advertising revenue would like triple 
And some of that money could then be reinvested into mental health for the larger society. So what about this, though? I do think that that's a little harsh feeling for my personal sensitivities. So what if it was like Therapy Island? As part of the show, not only are you finding love, but you are doing daily sessions individually and also group therapy once a day. Well, see, that's the spinoff. See? See? Those those gears are turning. ITV7, call us. (laughs) Yeah, Therapy Island. Therapy Island, yeah. And like, I think they did that, didn't they? Didn't Dr. Drew do a show like that? They absolutely did. We watch Dr. Phil, don't we? We, we don't. don't. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying like us three are on this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm saying that people watch his show. Anyway, that's my proposed solution, right? And that's also why I'm saying that Love Island viewers need to get that license to make sure that they know this is not a real show. And also we just use crazy people. We're also going to help with body image too. Oh, wait, they're, they're way more crazy than I am. I don't got to worry about this. I'm beautiful. Well, and again, I mean, if, you, if you ever heard my show. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, well, certainly, uh, certainly it's an interesting proposal. I would also wonder, though, might there be a slight contradiction? I'm wondering whether the show would end up becoming less structured if you had people who were actually coming from mental institutions and putting them on the show, would that affect the producer's ability to create the drama? I think the drama will be largely contestant driven. (laughs) Yeah. So we're making better content. When Roger snores and then gets murdered. Well, hey, hey, that's what I said about weapons. All right. Like, we're going to be careful about that. All right. I'm not saying we're just going to let them loose. Like, you know, they're going to be watched. I mean, there's cameras everywhere. They managed to get toothbrush shivs in prison, so I kind of feel like maybe no toothbrushes? Yeah, well, don't they primarily use electric toothbrushes? You can make a weapon out of just about everything. Then props for creativity. (laughs) Yeah. Ultimately, the scary thing about this proposal, honestly, and we know that it's satirical, yeah. And again, listeners, it, it's a satirical proposal. This is very satirical. Like, like that's my whole bit. And he's young like y'all. He's yeah. from the new generation where you guys care more about people. Yeah, he, he's not nearly as cynical and jaded as, as we are. We're millennial Gen X crossovers. We were raised with those like hardcore boomer values of fuck yeah. the guy who's crying. You know, facts over feelings, except not facts because we don't believe in science yeah. anymore. If you study hard and work hard, you'll get a house in the American dream. But, you know, what's interesting about it, because I know it's satirical, is that it is not that difficult to envision in terms of the second part of the proposal, in terms of reality shows intentionally looking for people who are maybe going to cause some drama on the show they want the drama they want people who are gonna be like kind of loose cannons that are gonna surprise them i would say you could get a therapist punched in the face on that show someone's gonna dig up old memories of trauma and abuse and someone's gonna get punched so then we also got to get wrestlemania in here itv seven two four and five okay we're gonna drop all of our plugs here in a moment so you know where to find us I actually think that is a great way to kind of wrap this up. So why don't you tell the folks again where they can find you and where they can find a modern proposal. Find me on Twitter at Parker J. Wrights. 
the pod's Twitter at a modern proposal. You can find my podcast on all of the places, so like Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You, you know, wherever you get your pods casted. Please, if you are struggling with mental health, do not take the ravings of my lunatic voice seriously. Please go get help. There are many people in this world that are more than happy to help you guys. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the ravings of this lunatic. Yeah, this was fun for us. This was really different from our yeah. normal feature segments. That about does it for us, folks. We will be back next week with a special episode, the full interview that we just gave you a, a teaser of, a part of that. And in two weeks, we will be talking about episode 25. So if you liked it, if you hated it, if you want to talk about recipes or why cats are annoying or anything else, you can always hit us on the socials, Twitter, at LBLI Podcast or at LBLI Peng. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Just look up Little Bit Leave It. You'll find us. We're there. And you can email us at littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, whatever, and whatever your podcast app of choice is. And don't forget to go on Patreon and become a patron. Yes. Patreon.com slash littlebitleaveit. If you want us to stop with our own annoying ads and get some real paid annoying ads... Yeah, we can do that if that's what you want, guys. But you don't want that. You'd no. rather have our hilariousness. You yeah, know. you want the jokes. So we bring the jokes, you bring the money. From Staten Island. To Love Island. Give us some of that internet money. 